0: Dun 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 dun. Little pig, little pig. Let me in.
1: Well, back at it again, boys. Let your mind peel away the mysteries of the world. That's right. I'm talking deep. Brazzle drip deep. This is Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies Podcast.
0: Oh, by the way, my balls is hot. All right, and we're back. <laughs> and we are back. And well, Chris a couple of us are back. Officially ruined the show. I did. I did. My phone
1: <laughs> already starting the show and didn't silence the phone. What a rookie mistake. Son of a...
0: Yeah, good for nothing. All right. So... Big Country is not here with us tonight. He uh, had a bachelor party and he woke up with an extremely sore asshole. Yeah, it's weird how that happens you know so,
1: gets a little so bit I, I think it's because he hasn't uh had a big one in a, in a, a long time you probably. know he's just you know had he he needed to work up a little bit more slowly yeah. instead of jumping right in and just taking the biggest Should've monster stretched. he could could find
0: Should've stretched yep yeah so he got silly on some white claws so it's up to me and chris to carry the show but we can do
1: it. We're very capable. Yeah. And I think yeah. this is up our alley, to be yeah. honest. I and think this is... I, I, mean, I mean, even my handwriting is neat. You know yeah, I mean? so, it, your notes are spectacular.
0: <clears throat> There's guys, the, quite a bit of notes. Um, true crime episode tonight, even though we're in the middle of the fucking apocalypse right now. You know, it's bad enough that we're, you know,
1: they lock us up for months and social distance us. Then, you know, an event, that is, you know, uh, very controversial. Yeah. It, it is. Absolutely. And it's a tragedy is what it is. It is. Um, but then for the world to tear itself apart because of it, yeah. you know, instead of coming together and um, trying to just better each other. You no, know, yeah. let's go burn down the nearest building that we can. Yeah.
0: We had our shot. You know, the peaceful protests were moving the needle. Yeah. And some jag off decides to start breaking some windows. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge controversy behind all this, and I'm sure we'll cover it. Um, it's that side of it is definitely too much to get into at this point. But like Mr. Chris said, it's some bullshit because now yeah. you got idiots out here breaking windows, burning down small businesses. Um, you know, it's bad enough that George Floyd lost his life the way he did. But now other people's lives are ruined. Because you guys want to burn down buildings and flip cars and- yeah, and i I want to go on record uh
1: just to say there's nothing that I support about um
0: what those officers-
1: what happened, yeah. Okay, uh, I think it's a tragedy. I think uh, when all the evidence comes out, I think the appropriate charges will be brought up against uh, the people involved that if there are charges that need to be uh, brought up against them, um, I think that that's will happen. I think we just need to give it time to let it run its course. The problem is we are so uh, moved to quick decisions that yeah. we heard a lot of other people in the um, in the short term, yeah. and if we if we would just stick a step back, breathe, um, and say, "Hey, you know what can we do better, or what can we do as a country to come to uh, to do better together?" I think that would solve a lot of the the problems that yeah. we're having.
0: Yeah, the um, you know the fist is stronger than the finger, and yeah. um, but unfortunately, uh, you know we're we we want justice now, and that's just not how it works. The yeah. biggest monsters, you know. In American crime history have still got due process. So. Correct. And
1: and absolutely. And that's the way it should be. Everybody yeah, should every, have their, every,
0: uh, every single individual has to have due process. So.
1: Yeah. When we're, we're, we are not uh, a country where we can take things in our own hands and start going out there and doing out what we think is justice. Yeah. Um, and you know, Criminal act, protests. I have no problem with, I, yeah, I think yeah. protests is the epitome of what our country stands for is if we want to go out there and march, uh, down a, a street that has been designated for us to be able to protest safely, uh, where it's been set up through proper channels and requesting that, uh, right to be able to do it. That's how this works. Yeah. You know, I, I read a, a caption, uh, about, um, Martin Luther King jr. Um, and he's arm in arm with a bunch of people walking down the street and it said never burned one building never threw one rock
0: changed the world changed the world yep and that's how we got to do it and uh you know my wife we've been looking the news all day um which probably isn't a good thing but uh my wife saw a video from flint michigan and I don't remember uh, exactly where, I don't know if it was a sheriff or a police officer um, or a sheriff or a police chief, but they were addressing the protesters and they said, we are with you guys. We do not agree with what happened. We want justice just as bad as you do. These cops are not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. And so someone said, well, so what are you trying to say that that you're going to march with us? Is that what you're saying? He said, Absolutely. And he took off his, his utility belt and he said, let's March. He said, we're not, we're not here to cause trouble. We want to get the point across. We are with you guys. We agree. And I don't think there's been one law enforcement agency across the country that has ever said that what those cops did was right. Absolutely. And I'm, I'll be the first to tell you
1: that, uh, there's no, uh, there's nowhere in our, uh, I'm going to speak from cops plus there's nowhere in our training that we have ever been taught to do what that officer did yeah. because we know that it's not safe uh when you're cutting off the the blood flow from one's carotid artery yeah. to their their head and you know I had spoke with someone that I I have a, a much respect for he's a, a a listener um of this show and he and I um have uh worked together and trained together and he said the first thing he said to me he goes that's bad officers
0: bad training bad training and and that's that's the that's my biggest gripe with this whole thing is that they're putting it on the they're putting on law enforcement as a whole's back right Mm -hmm. now what i would have loved to have seen was one of those four officers tell that asshole hey and and just just so everyone knows i've i've read the the police report that had i found uh on a police officer's instagram that i follow yeah and it, and it goes through everything and there is body cam footage and i'm sure it will be released absolutely so,, um, and then we're starting to see footage. The leak problem is out. too now it's going to be
1: uh, because they're going to be under a criminal investigation, yeah. that body camera might come out a long time down the road. Yeah, but exactly. it, it will it exactly. will come out
0: so um, but the and then there's also a different angle, which actually substantiates the report which I saw the report uh, much earlier days ago. And then I saw the other angle It's actually posted on those conspiracy guys mm-hmm. um, Instagram page. I'll show you in and in, uh, probably after the show, but they um, basically explained that there was one officer who repeatedly asked him, Hey, should we roll him onto his side? Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to mention the officer's name that killed George Floyd because this really, there's no point, but Uh, he said, nope, he's going to stay right where he is. Yeah. And play, and he sat there
1: now that, and and, and, I just want to jump in. I don't mean, I don't mean to cut you off. You're, you're on a a good tear here. Um, it's the duty of the officers around you to remove that officer who is so invested emotionally at that point in the heat of the moment that he's so far gone that he can't detach himself from what he's doing. He, he may have absolutely had a right to arrest him. Mm -hmm. He may have absolutely had a right to detain him on the ground the way he was initially until to get him under control. But once you've done that, you do not sit there and and It was,
0: was over eight minutes long. Okay. Now for all my jujitsu practitioners out there, any MMA fighters who grapple wrestlers, you know that it only takes eight to 10 seconds to get put to sleep when they're rear naked, right? So, so someone's sitting there with their knee, their whole entire body weight on your neck is, is pretty similar. And he sat there for over eight minutes yeah. with his knee on his neck. Right. Yeah. So we know that was wrong. Yeah. One officer spoke up. Uh, he didn't do enough, in my opinion. Absolutely not. Um, not in my, my, my humble exactly. opinion either. And, and listen, I understand that he was probably fearing repercussions from the other officers on the scene. He didn't want to turn into a, a training day bid or anything like that. But because you stood by and watched, instead of saying something, someone lost their lives. Now, I'm not saying that his death is on the officer's hands that that mentioned something to the guy that killed George Floyd. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that he could have prevented it also. Um, And then, and, and I know that I've been, you know, to enough classes to know that if, if I enter a building with another group of people and someone else, our intentions are to rob that place. Right. And, and, and a, and a murder takes place during that. Yeah. Everybody's going down for it. Correct. So like because, you said, the, because you knew the because, you know, the intent of what's exactly. going on. OK, so like Chris said, and and this makes it even worse for those officers, because the fact that one did speak up and say, hey, he's saying he can't breathe. Should we roll him on his side? And you have him screaming, hey, I can't breathe. I'm claustrophobic. I need water. Yeah. Those were all signs that you should have gotten up off his neck. Right. Yeah. There, um, there's definitely, you know, I. I. I'm not gonna I have not
1: watched the video. I will not. It's brutal. Um, I I saw pictures of I saw pictures of it and I saw a picture. Is what they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. Okay. I saw a picture with a guy in his knees buried clearly into his neck in a way that I've never been trained to uh, do, uh, that I've never watched any fellow officers do on my um time on. Uh I've never I've wrestled and fought numerous people. Uh of overcome resisting people um with other officers. And I'ma tell you, we we don't sit there on someone. Yeah. That's not that's not proper tactics. Yeah. Whatsoever. Absolutely. And I am extremely disappointed. And you know, I can't uh like like I say do do process. Yeah. You know they should be they're going to be investigated they I, they were already fired they're already fired yeah, yeah and and uh and let me tell you that's the quickest investigation i have ever
0: seen yeah so and, you know cuz the video is pretty cut and dry okay so there's not really the, and and listen the people that were you know peacefully protesting out in minneapolis the crowd was so diverse and it was yeah. great to see and you know all of a sudden people from out of town start showing up and their police chief said that the majority of people that were caught vandalizing and breaking things and hurting people that they arrested were not from that city. Yeah. So uh, clearly there's, you know, some sort of operation going on where, um, you know, Antifa operatives are getting put into these groups that I just watched a video right before you came over yeah. um, up in uh, Pasadena, I believe it is. They're riding right now. Right yeah. now they're riding, they're spray painting on the walls. So there's a huge group of black folks marching, right? Chanting and, and just peaceful. Yeah. Next thing you know, you hear one of the girls say, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. Knock that off. And there's someone spray, spray painting, kill cops. Yeah. On the side of this building. Yeah. And they're telling them, hey, you can't do that. Yeah. And then there's two white girls, face covered and everything, all dressed in black, which is typical Antifa style, you know? Yeah. They run over and they start spray painting BLM they start spray painting kill cops, they start spray painting America with 3Ks and the girls are telling them you guys cannot come to our community and do this. Yeah. If you come here and do this, they're not going to go looking for you guys. They're going to look for us. They're looking for us, yeah. right? So this whole protest has just been absolutely hijacked by people that just want to create ruckus. Yeah. Um and and I don't believe for a minute <coughs> that Excuse me. anybody that was out there peacefully protesting just decided that they needed to pick up a brick and throw it through a window. Yeah. I absolutely believe that this is some sort of operation to just drive a spike in between us. And I'm sick and tired of hearing the news call these looters and rioters protests. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up because, um,
1: the definition of a protest and the definition of a riot are completely two different things. And it, that's gotta be known. And a protest as a, a peaceful gathering, to uh, announce or get your voice heard in a way that is promotes peace in general, yeah. but also is a safe place for you and the people around you so that a, a large group can get a big uh word out there yeah. and that may not be heard that it may be against the norm and yeah. you know a riot is breaking into other people's properties setting those places on fire and taking things that don't belong to you yeah, exactly. and wh- and why why in anyone's mind would running into a store and stealing property what does that do for
0: mr Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, exactly. What What does that do for him? And the worst part about it is that there was a video that that George Floyd had posted um, circulating right now. I posted it on our Instagram page of him basically saying that, you know, the younger kids who are out here causing trouble, thinking it's cool to shoot guns and gangbang and, and all of this, that they they need to get their shit together because the video was made because of a friend of his um, her son was shot and killed. And so he was making this video opposing that lifestyle. Right. And, and he said, we got to do better. And so I I know, I don't know George Floyd personally, but his family has already stated it. And I've stated it before that there's no way he would want to see these cities burning to the ground because, Of what happened to him.
1: Absolutely not. I don't think that, uh, I don't think anybody wants to see their cities burned down. What I want to see is, uh, their cities rally around Mm -hmm. each other in a time of great loss. Uh, and you know, it's, it's horrible to see any loss of life period. Um, because I've, I say it all the time that all lives are precious. All lives matter.
0: Um, and that for some reason, there are people that find that term offensive. Yeah. When you say all lives matter, because let me bring up a story for you. Let me pull it up here. Okay. Chris, I'm sure you probably, uh, you might've known this already, but let me go. um, Excuse me for the radio silence here. Okay. So May 6th, there was a man who was shot in the back three times by police here in San Diego. Um, nobody ever heard about it and unless you got your ear to the street, you know what I mean? Uh, and the reason nobody heard about it is because it was a white man. All right. So, uh, his name was Nicholas bills. Okay. 36 years old. He was at, uh, old town park, putting some golf balls. And he had his dog with him. Well, the Rangers came over and they said, hey, sir, you're going to have to put your dog on a leash and you're going to have to leave because the park is closed due to COVID restrictions. And um, he has a history with, uh, with uh, paranoid schizophrenia. So he had a little bit of an anxiety issue. Um, they say that he swung the putter near the officer's. Now, the words in these reports are, are, are very important, right? So, he, they didn't say he swung the putter at the officers. They said he swung it near them. So, my guess is he threw it in sort of a tantrum, right? Then he takes off, um, like walking away, and the cops end up telling him like, hey, listen, everything's fine. PD comes up. They arrest the man. Um, now this is all according to the news report. So if the details aren't a hundred percent, uh, don't blame me. So he, he, he ends up getting arrested. His mother gets a call from the Rangers saying, we have your son and, and this dog. Can someone please come pick up the animal? Um, your son's going to get arrested for trespassing and resisting and uh, probably a couple other things. So they handcuffed the gentleman. They put him in the back of the police car. PD, SCPD is transferring him to the jail. They get to the jail. The window in the back was rolled down. The man jumps out of the window with the handcuffs still on, takes off running. PD jumps out to give chase. Well, a sheriff's deputy who's been on the force for less than two years, 23 years old, um, is is working at the, the either the jail or the courthouse downtown. I don't remember which one. But either way, they're not equipped with body cams because technically they don't have to be. There's no – they're not – coming into contact with, um, you know, random people on the daily. So everybody that they come into contact is already documented and there's plenty of cameras in the facility already. So anyhow, that deputy ends up shooting four times at this man, hits him three times in his back and kills him. Not on the news. You know, his death should be treated the same as George Floyd's. Yep. And that officer should be punished accordingly. But I cannot allow someone to say that it's the San Diego County Sheriff's Department's fault that that happened. Yeah. Because they give him the proper training, right? And, and, and the young guy, right? Second year on the force. So a lot of nerves coming through. Um, and I'm sure, you know, he probably regrets it now. But the fact of the matter is, is that that individual made the mistake. Okay. And, and for people that are claiming that the cops are out here hunting black folks, I'm biracial. I'm mixed race. Right. So I got it from both ends. Not black enough, not white enough. Yeah. Right. So when black people. Talk You're black about, enough for me. Bubba. <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> so when black people talk about how racist white people are it like perks my ears up because i've seen black people be just as racist to white people and just as <clears throat> racist to light skin black folks and biracial black folks right absolutely and That's- and so the the problem is is within our communities we have to fix that because people are assuming That because what the news reports is 100% true fact, and that's not it at all. That is not the fact. Year over year for the past three years, by almost double white men or white people have been shot and killed by the police over the second highest uh, color in the country, which is black and then Latino after that. A little over 600 black folks have been shot and killed by police in the past three years more and more black folks are killed in the inner city in places like Chicago, where they have the strictest gun laws in America. Somehow they still have fully automatic weapons. They're fighting over drugs. They're fighting over corners. They're fighting over shoes yep. and they're murdered every single day. And the weekend you'll have anywhere from 20 to 50 people dead. Yeah.
1: The, the, the gun violence in some areas on um, the communities against each other is is way worse than all the shootings yeah. if you lumped all the officer involved shootings in yeah. an entire year. You can probably get more shootings in one weekend in Chicago than you would for the entire uh United States for the officer involved shooting. Absolutely. Um and, in, in, in a year. Or so
0: and so I personally I think it would be safer to say that black folks are out here hunting black folks. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and it's it's just absolutely ridiculous that we're putting this blame on agencies across the nation, but we're not addressing what's going on in our own neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, you got people out here with black owned businesses loaded to the teeth guarding their doors in hopes that no one throws a brick through their window. Mm -hmm. And that's how it should be. That's the reason the second amendment is in place. Then the news wants to post pictures of these two giant white dudes. But do you know that, that, that they were there with, with two other other black guys. guys. Yeah. And so they (laughs) cropped the photo and, and I think the New York post had wrote, uh, two rednecks out here. And I'm like rednecks. And so when you see the whole photo, it's, it's, there's four people. Yeah. And I'm sure there's probably a hell of a lot. There's more probably than more four, than that, yeah. But there, but the, the in the photo, the real photo, there's four people. Two of them are big old white dudes, and yep. then two of them are black guys. Yep, and they're doing all what they, standing there and doing what makes America exactly. really, uh, a really
1: special place is coming together in unity, you know. To protect each other, yeah. to watch each other. You know, I, there's a couple of really cool things I saw. Uh, I think it was in Minneapolis. Uh, one of the officers got separated. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was a, a human shield of black... Uh, uh protesters that yeah, were protecting them exactly. from
0: the the main violence, and those are the people who are gonna push change, not these yep. people running into target stealing. I saw a guy walking out with like a fucking giant lego set yeah there's there's <laughs> white people in there, and you know, I wanna make this point known because they don't people aren't talking
1: about it, but there's white people out there looting and doing Absolutely. wrong things and one of the first videos I saw was a woman running out of target with a handful of stuff. It's not yours. You're not doing anything to help your uh, uh, the, the the tragedy of what the, the George Floyd incident was. Uh, you're you're bringing us the whole country down by yeah. those kind of negative and behaviors, you're, and you're
0: destroying your neighborhood because <coughs> every single person that needed that job at Target now doesn't have a job.
1: Absolutely not. They
0: were probably thankful that they were working through all this uh, pandemic bullshit, and next thing you know they can't go to work because the inside of the building has been gutted by a fire. Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, I just saw a, a, a girl, she had posted that, um, a Walgreens she had worked at burned down. She needed that job to pay her bills. Um, and then a grocery store had been looted and everything inside was destroyed. And her mom goes to that grocery store frequently because it's closest to her house. And that's where she picks up her medical prescriptions. So now she can't go buy food and she can't get her medical prescriptions. This is not shit that people are thinking of. My wife got into an argument with a girl she used to work with because she had posted a message that said, basically, if, if you're not for the rioting and looting, because this is how, this is how we're going to get our message across loud and clear. And if you're not for that, then you're anti-black. Now, we just went over all this silly shit that Joe Biden said. We just fucking talked about him saying that if if you don't know whether you're going to vote for me or Trump then you ain't black. That is the dumbest shit. So, you know, if but if that's if that's an arrow I got to take then fine, you know what I mean? But that's the most ignorant shit I've ever heard of. Yeah. If if you want to be pro anything, why would you be for destroying something like like uh people's buildings, people's homes, you know, shit that people worked hard for? There was a man who uh, live on there live on air. He fucking spent all of his life savings purchasing a sports bar in Minneapolis, I believe. Yeah. And, and it was a black owned bar. And, uh, he went to the bar when people started uh, breaking windows and shit. All of his liquor was gone. Uh, windows were broken. Mirrors were broken. Um, while he's speaking to the news inside, someone broke in through the back door and started dragging his safe out of the building. The guy's crying his eyes out because he doesn't know what to do. You know what I mean? So the, the shit that's going on right now is ridiculous. It is. Um, I want to, I want to end this on a positive note before we
1: get into the awfulness of what what we're going to talk about in this true crime. But uh, something that I read today and and it, I don't know, it just stuck with me and it says not all blacks are criminals. Not all whites are racist. Not all cops are bad. Ignorance comes in all colors and you know, I think there's unfortunately, you know, anytime that, a bad cop makes a bad decision or does something wrong, it's going to make the news. Absolutely. And, you know, we never hear about the hundreds of thousands of good positive contacts that um, officers have with the public on a daily basis, because frankly, they don't make the news and that's not what
0: sells the the time. So really sad. There's a couple that off the top of my head that probably been years since I've, I've read them. Right. But sometimes you do see them. You probably only see them once or twice throughout the year, but there's an officer who, after his shift every day, shows up to the same neighborhood, sits on the steps with all the kids in a predominantly black neighborhood, white cop, sits around with them, brings soda, snacks, and hangs out and, you know, chit-chats with them for a couple of hours yep. just to make sure they get that interaction, you yep. know? Um, and and there's another, uh, I, actually, I don't believe this is a police officer, is a, a teacher. Yeah. And he, he realized that most of the kids in his class, uh, which predominantly black didn't have fathers at home. Um, so a lot of single mothers, right? So when you don't have a father, typically it is your mom's working a ton to help, you know, supply for everything you need throughout your life. So you don't learn how to throw a baseball, ride a bike, tie a tie, properly handshake, you know, that, that male self-confidence that you carry throughout your life. Yeah. So he started a, a gentleman's club and <laughs> not that kind of gentleman's club <laughs> to teach, to teach young boys how to be gentlemen. Not right? the, not the gentleman club that the, the big, big country was spending it. his time at. Right. That's yeah. why he, <laughs> and that's another topic. So. Yeah. But you know, things like that, man, because the, and, and this is the craziest, the, I think Sam Tripoli talked about it on his show. He said that if you were to sit down some white dude from a trailer park and some black guy from the inner city and have them just talk about the shit they've been through in their life. They're going to have so much more in common than anyone would ever believe. Right. Yeah. Because you know, the, the crack epidemic, you know, created addicts out of mothers and fathers. It tore families apart. It tore neighborhoods apart. The, um, the heroin and meth epidemic, Tore white neighborhoods apart, (coughs) took family, took fathers out of those families. You know what I mean? And it's a mirror. Those two communities are mirrored. Yeah. The same shit is happening on both sides. But the media keeps telling you you're different. You need to remain different. Yeah. And that's not the case. We need to come together. Absolutely not. All right. All right. So now let's get on to a lighter note. All right. (laughs) You can call it a lighter note. Yeah. So we're going to do a true crime episode about Andre Rand. Ooh. Yeah. Andre Rand, Andre Rand. So there's a, um, urban legend, uh, about a fella named Cropsey. And this is in Staten Island. Uh, and I, 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 we've heard it here in California. Didn't necessarily have a name, uh, for the gentleman, but I'm sure everybody's heard this urban legend of, you know, uh, an escaped mental patient, who's hiding out at a uh, make out lane yep. and and if you get out of your car or you start making out or having sex he's going to snatch you with that hook. Yep. Or sometimes it's a knife. Yeah. Or hatchet or whatever. Yeah. I think we've all heard the the
1: the lovers lookout yeah. story where you know it's getting hot and heavy and you hear the scratching the scratching scratch. on the get what, out. what is that? What do I, and you take off real fast you drive away and you know, you look and there's a hook that's like hook imbe- stuck in yeah.
0: scratches down the side of the car. Yeah. What Everybody the heard this? That shit. yeah.
1: Everybody. I mean, you know, you start to think that it's just your mom and dad trying to scare you into staying straight. Right.
0: Yeah. Not always. Until, until what happens? Until fucking Andre Rand comes along. All so right. Andre ran. We'll, we'll start in, excuse me. There's not a whole lot of his childhood. Um, But Andre Rand is actually not his born name. Andre Rand was born as Frank Rashawn on March 11th, 1944. Uh, From what they gather from his sister, because Andre Rand doesn't really talk a whole lot, even though he at times can be pretty articulate, especially through his writings. But um, through what his sister said was basically their childhood was pretty much normal. They didn't. There was no physical abuse and there was no sexual abuse, which is typically common amongst fucking creeps, right? Yeah. Serial killers, um, serial rapists, things like that, but nothing. Everything was normal. Um, the only thing that wasn't normal about his childhood was that when he was a teenager, his father passed away in 1958, and then his mother was admitted to a mental institution. Now, we'll, we'll come back to that mental institution later. But yeah. Andre Rand spent a lot of time uh, with his sister visiting his mom in this in- mental institution, right? So, automatically, you know, we, we know now at least that um, mental disorders can be passed down hereditarily. So, it's, it's possible that whatever was going on with his mom... Uh, you know, maybe Andre got a little bit of that and we'll explain why, uh, later on in the story. So Staten Island at that time was kind of land of the throwaways. Like the mob would dump bodies there. The, uh, the, there was a massive garbage dump there. Um, and then when you get into talking about Willowbrook, the Willowbrook state school, uh, they kind of just dumped all these mental patients and sick people there too. Yeah, it's a really
1: l- large facility and it just seemed like uh all the lost and forgotten kids that, you know, parents didn't want because of yeah. mental disorders ended up there.
0: Yeah, they so this facility uh like Chris said it was it was massive. It was a it was built to have 4000 occupants. 4000. And it ended up swelling the, the 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 amount of people that they fucking fit into this place by uh, by the late seventies. Um, or no, by 65, by 65, 1965, there was over 6,000. 6,000 people. Yeah. Over 6,000 people in this fucking building where there's only supposed to be 4,000 people. Yeah. Now, for, if that, that, that's so over capacity. Way it's- too much. And so you have to imagine, cause I'm at a place like that. Um, you know where it's a state run school. Most of the faculty, uh, probably lived on that campus as well. And if you got, you need to have a faculty to, uh, operate a place where you've got over 4,000 sick people, that's probably a couple hundred people. I would imagine at the very least, uh, working there and living there. Right. So this building was giant. It had a ton of underground tunnels. Um, and it was surrounded by what's called the green belt, which is a foresty area on the Island. Um, <clears throat> and Not only did the school house mentally ill children, it also housed um, mentally ill adults, um, people with physical uh, illnesses, people with tuberculosis, people with hepatitis. um, And there was massive hepatitis outbreaks at this place constantly. And so if you were a child that turned up there within the first four months, you'd end up with hepatitis. And then they started doing medical experiments on people with hepatitis. They started doing uh, medical experiments on people with tuberculosis. It was just, it was, it was terrible. The conditions were disgusting. Children were always dirty. Feces everywhere.
1: Yeah. The the uh, the thing that stuck out of my mind when I first was hearing about it was the, the when there. I think Geraldo Rivera did like a, like a big, yeah. Like Video that. documentary of, of all the stuff that was going on. And he said the smell alone. He, yeah. I can't put it into words about how awful it is. And I, yeah. And he's like,
0: describing, <laughs> he's describing like the, the conditions that he's seeing. Right. So he's like, there's feces on the floor. These kids are filthy there. You could tell they haven't been cleaned. um, None of the facilities have been cleaned, but I can't describe the smell. Yeah. And you know, that's pretty fucking bad. So there was a huge public outcry from from when Halder Re- Re- Halt Re- Re- Geraldo. Yeah. Rivera. You. Mr. Rivera. <laughs> when Mr. Mustache fucking went there and, and videotaped all this madness going on. Uh, you know, and they had up being been getting reports of abuse from uh from people for I don't know how long, probably. But it didn't ever. even
1: close down after that for like no, a long time. Was,
0: like, they like, they changed the name? Yeah. And then they were going to update everything. Yeah. And so after they changed the name, I think it was like two or three years. Then in 1987, they the last kid left the building. So they're making a big old stink in the
1: 70s, and it still goes all the way out yeah. to the the, to the 80s, 80s almost the, the, 80,
0: in, no, the 80s. Jesus. And then. Uh- <clears throat> Then part of the school, most of the school, was condemned and just abandoned. Part of the school grounds were given to a uh, a college that they ended up kind of revamping. But uh, at large, the area around there was just completely abandoned and and just left there. Um, so left for people to run amok. Exactly. So people started occupying, uh, setting up homeless camps, living in the tunnels there and, and the, the surrounding green belt.
1: It sounded like the, a lot of the, the sad part about it too, is the, a lot of the patients that didn't have anywhere to go afterwards, just went back Just went back because they just didn't have yeah. anywhere else to go.
0: Yeah. The patients and, and quite a bit of the staff also, Yeah. um, so and Rand was a part of the staff, right? Rand was a part of the staff. What, he was he was a custodian and physical therapist there. Hmm. And he worked there from sixty-six to sixty-eight. So this is probably the height, you know. They're they're rocking over two thousand more than they're supposed to there. So you can imagine the shit that's going on in there, right? Yeah. People just all over the place, rooms filled with bodies, uh and two thousand more people in a facility than you can handle plumbing's not gonna fucking work nothing's gonna <laughs> that's work gross yeah you know, that's, that's so, awful terrible shit yeah um so <clears throat> rand we'll get into to what he did at this point uh rand basically he, we don't know anything about rand and tell this little girl uh jessica Sh- uh Sh- or jennifer schweiger Comes up missing. He does have a, a early career. He does have an early career, but of crime. But in the news, we we didn't know any of this until after Jennifer goes missing. Correct. That's okay. We well, want to start so, with Jennifer. Let's yeah, do Jennifer. So then. we'll start with Jennifer, and uh, she ends up missing. She doesn't come home. Nineteen eighty-seven. Um, Nineteen eighty-seven. She's gone. Right. This is also the last year that the school closed. Yeah. Um, and Rand has not been working there since sixty-eight. Yeah. So. And not, not only is this poor girl
1: uh, a young girl, but she's, she's born with uh, Down syndrome. Right. So she's
0: mentally handicapped. She's, she's mentally handicapped. She doesn't come home. So they start investigating, searching for her. The first thing they did was gather a search party, combed through Willowbrook. They combed through all the buildings. They combed through the tunnels. They combed through the green belt. Didn't find anything. But when they did get there, they noticed that there was a ton of homeless camps. And so that started worrying them a little bit. They're starting to think, well, shit, maybe some hobo came through and snatched the little girl, right? On top of this, kids are getting told constantly about Cropsey. So now the kids are thinking, oh, shit, Cropsey's out here stealing kids, you know? Yep. So the next thing you know they start asking witnesses witnesses put andre rand near the girl um some of them say that he was the last person seen with her uh then the cops make contact with him andre rand ends up getting arrested 4 weeks after they end after his arrest they end up going and searching the area again that's when they find Jennifer's body. Uh, they find limbs sticking out of a shallow grave and uh, they end up charging Andre Rand with kidnapping and murder.
1: Yeah. And the body that where she was located was was discovered by uh, a campsite where Rand was uh, occupying. Yeah, it, was the, one of his- it was
0: within 150 yards of where his campsite was. Yeah. So um, right off the bat. You know, they said it was a shallow grave. They said it looked like it had been freshly dug. We'll circle back to that when we get off the um, uh, get off the fence here about Mr. Rand. So, during this media circus, you know, Mr. Rand is not portrayed the best right off the bat. They they kind of executed him in the media. They uh, did. They convicted him right away. Um, <laughs> we find out that Mr. Rand had previously had been uh, charged. And convicted of sexual misconduct with a nine year old girl. He always maintained his innocence, um, but nonetheless, that's his charge to carry. And And he was also uh, kidnapped a group of kids. This is wild. Yeah, this is this is crazy to me because <laughs> because uh, especially if you if you most of the most of the uh, information we got from the Cropsey documentary, you can find it on YouTube.
1: Yeah, YouTube or I, I watched it on uh, Voodoo. Shout out to Voodoo. Free on Voodoo with All ads. Right,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I watched it. Uh, Watch it on YouTube. And they're talking to one of the kids that ran abducted years from like this, years from this incident. Right? Yeah, he was six years old at the time. 11 of them, yeah. 11 kids. So Rand said, uh, allegedly – well,
1: uh, he was convicted of it, so he can say he's convicted of this. Yeah. Rand picks up a group of 11 kids uh, at a YMCA uh, located in Strat- uh, Staten Island in a school bus. <laughs> Uh, purchased a meal for them uh, without the consent of any of their parents that took them to the Liberty International Airport uh, in the state of New Jersey. Uh, none of the children were harmed in this encounter, but Rand was ap- uh, apprehended and served 10 months for unlawful imprisonment of a yeah. minor.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Cause after, after he took them to the airport, he took them all back to Willowbrook. Yeah. And the kids were like, we just thought we were hanging out. We were playing tag. And then that's like he, how he got him, right? He's like, hey, we're gonna take you guys to the park. Yeah. We're exactly. gonna take you to the park. <clears throat> yeah. And I fucking... Kids are dumb. So they'd be like, hell yeah, park and, and Happy Meals? Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know... I mean, shit, he probably could kidnap me right now with a <laughs> <laughs> with a Happy Meal. <laughs> you wouldn't get me, but chocolate chip
1: <laughs> cookie might get <laughs> yeah. me that going that way. Hey, just you want chocolate chip cookie? Yeah, sure. To
0: a fucking school bus with tinted. It yeah.
1: Is. <laughs> so this this clearly this guy there he's off a little he's bit. He's off
0: a little bit, right? So um definitely he's 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 there's there's he's not rocking with with a full set. Yeah, you don't take eleven kids. I don't know what his
1: ultimate goal was at that incident, but maybe it was his first little trial run Could of, have been. of seeing
0: how well he can manipulate and younger kids. That's exactly what the kid said. You know, he, obviously, it's 20 years later. Yeah. He says, you know, maybe he was just trying to see. He's like, I don't know what he was going to do with us, but we didn't feel like we were in any danger. Yeah. He's like, there were so many of us that we just thought it was normal. So, yeah. Yeah. that happens, right? So, they go and arrest uh, Andrew Rand at a church. Um, was it the God Within? Church of the God Within, I believe. Yeah. and. <laughs> they handcuff him and they're walking him out and he's fucking blank and he's drooling if you've ever seen a zombie
1: yeah this is what you know and this maybe this didn't help this guy out either because he looked like he was
0: just off his rocker you watch family guy
1: yeah no i i I, I don't i haven't
0: i don't watch family guy i I don't know why i said yes but uh (laughs) so there's a so there's a character in family guy and and he works with peter yeah. and, but he's completely fucking retarded. He he his hair's all fucked up. Yeah. High pants, right? And he just speaks in gibberish. He just goes Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy looks exactly like Andre oh, man. Red, and yeah. he drools. Yeah, he's walking down this is the worst perp,
1: perp walk that I've ever seen. He number one <clears throat> he looks like he's just out of his mind in a psychotic break or he's so high on drugs or something's off Something's like he's been drugged or something's wrong and uh he's drooling in the the cops are trying to walk him out to the patrol vehicle and he is just out of it doesn't look like he's gonna make it to the car this guy didn't look like well this guy looked
0: like i did the night of my bachelor party yeah yeah because i Barely made it to the first bar. Yep, yeah, and then that was my night. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Just
1: put a fork in me. He's done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was it was bad, and I think that that's part of the the portrayal of. Um, I don't know if he's selling something that he's sick and he couldn't have done it. Maybe he's that smart. Be, yeah, or, or maybe you well, know, and
0: that's very possible because, like I said, we'll find out later on. Um, because the document, the the documentary writers and producers, they they tried to interview him. And, and they, they almost had it, you know, they tried and tried and tried, but we'll get to that when we, when we, uh, get to one of his other victims. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the witnesses for Jennifer's case were pretty bad witnesses. It, and, it and, seemed that way. And, and most of the, most of the witnesses, basically when they were asking them, like, What did you see? What happened? Like one guy did say that he saw Andre Rand at the store and he bought baby food, which he thought was weird. And then when he left the store, he rode off on the little girl's bike. He was the only one to make that statement. So it's really hard to say that's a a true 100% fact, right? Yeah. The other thing is, is there's no physical evidence and no scientific evidence that links and they have a body. That's the crazy part. They have a body, but there's nothing that links Andre Rand to Jennifer Schweiger other than people's, uh, witness testimonies. Yeah. And a lot of the time they were like, well, of course Andre did it. Look at him. Yeah. And that's it. That's literally it. They go, he's creepy. He's always been creepy. Of course he did it. Yeah. You know? Um, but there was a guy in the documentary that says, uh, he he was a former um coworker of andres and he's like he didn't do it i don't think he did it and he goes here's the thing you throw a picture down of some guy and go hey this guy ran into this building and saved all these kids and people go i can tell he's a good guy yeah and you take that same picture and you go this guy fucking murdered 18 people and they're like yeah he looks like a real piece of shit you know so i witnesses are tough it is really hard you know what i mean so <laughs> You know, one of the things I know that they do during an investigation is if you have five eyewitnesses and three of them are saying the same thing and they don't have a relationship with each other, then that kind of builds the credibility of their statement. if you have someone who goes, I saw everything. Okay, well, was anybody else with you? Nope. All right, well, shit. Like we're in a tough spot now, yeah. especially if someone else's statement is contradicting what you said. What you, you know? said, yeah. So you have all these eyewitnesses, and
1: they're, they're, And they're, then if you're listening to the, and if you've seen the documentary too, the the witnesses that are saying that some of them were drunk
0: that, that day was, that when was, they're giving the statement. That was the most mind blowing thing because yeah. they literally go. Most of our witnesses had. Um, Uh, substance abuse problems. So we had to wait for them to get into a program and get sober before their memories came back. Yeah. That's not, that's no longer a credible witness. Yeah. So you're telling me that someone that was drunk or high ended up seeing what happened, but we got to wait for him to sober up. Yeah. You know, I think there was only
1: one actual witness that saw Rand take somebody.
0: Yeah. One of the girls. I don't remember which one it is. There we'll was, there was a, yeah, we'll get to her because her story's fishy too. Yeah. That witness. Um, yeah. And that's, that's 23 years after the fact too. 23 years after the fact. And she was, I think six years old at the time. I was six years old at the time. Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: and I, I don't know how much I, I'm going to, I love my daughter to death, but she's not going to remember.
0: Dude. I, I I can ask my son right now. I'll go out there and ask him what he had for dinner. Yeah. And we literally finished dinner right before you showed up. Yeah. Wouldn't be able to tell me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, uh, all right. So, like I said, they went through, searched the encampment, found the body. No evidence to concretely tie, ran to her murder or kidnapping. Just witness testimony. Goes to trial, ends up getting convicted. Um, I believe they dropped the murder charge but they charged him with kidnapping and he got 25 to life. Is that correct? Or did the murder charge stick? They did.
1: Uh, they could not reach a verdict on the murder that's, charge. They couldn't,
0: they couldn't reach a verdict.
1: But they the got him for the kidnapping, um, which I guess that it that And that's why we had the judicial process. I think uh, yeah. we does not, there's not fiscal evidence to tie you to the murder, but we think that you kidnapped the girl and now she ended up dead yeah, you're going away for a while. Yeah. So I think, I think they may have got that right. Uh,
0: Yeah. Cause uh, regardless, regardless of there's no physical evidence, right? Cause I mean, it's, it's already hard enough to charge someone with murder when there's no body and it's happened and they get a conviction, but typically they have some sort of scientific evidence that they can link to the murder. In this case, they didn't at all, even though they had a body, um, which is there. It was pretty hard to find information too. Whether they found or announced the cause of death, um, that was one of the things I could not find i couldn't I couldn't find that um, so but out of all of his alleged victims, this is the only one where they had a body yep and so that that's the the first that's body the first that they find yeah um, so in nineteen eighty one, right so he's already in prison his he's up for parole in two thousand and eight, right so. He's already in prison. They end up going back into a cold case. Uh, This young girl named Holly Ann uh, Hughes. Holly Ann Hughes went down to the corner store to purchase a bar of soap. Uh, Now, this this is testimony from the employees at the store. Correct. So, they say, yeah, she came into the store. Uh, She needed to buy some soap. She was five cents short, though. And they go, well, how do you know it was her? And he's like, I know it was her because... I was giving the cashier shit because he wasn't going to give her the soap, even though she was short a nickel. <laughs> and you know, they, these are guys from Staten Island, so you're like, yeah, these are the no 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 bullshit yeah. guys. It's like he was going to not give her the fucking soap. And What's she wrong with short this nickel? Yeah, you know. So, um, don't know if she ever got the soap or not. No, nope. she, she never made it home. No, that's right. She never made it home. She Never made it home. Um, and the the hard part with this is that. Most of the witnesses say they saw andrew or they saw Andre Rand in the area they saw his car on the street, yep right, but there's an explanation for that um so it's it's kind of hard to say that he was there specifically to uh, he might be more of a opportunity type kidnapper right yeah because uh his aunt i believe lived in the same building as holly Ann hughes so it's hard to say that he was there like stuck in the area right so he there's a reason he's got a reason for him to be there yeah
1: so maybe he's you know i guess this is my speculation that he's probably seen that girl at uh while he was at his aunt's house yeah and then scoped her out and followed her and then Opportunistically decided. snatched her. Right. So because I mean, this is the, this is the incident of the the other girl saying that she saw Rand exactly. take her in his vehicle, described his vehicle, Volkswagen. She said he drives up, <laughs> had a mask on. Had a yeah, a mask on his face was covered.
0: Yeah, she couldn't describe a mask. She just said his face was covered.
1: Yeah, can't describe a mask. Doesn't know what it is. His face is not there. It's hidden and. Boom. She's gone. Her, well, he friend, goes, you want her friend's candy. Yeah. Hey, you want, candy? Hey, you want a bar of soap? Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, I got a nickel. I got a nickel. Come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever so, he did. Yeah. So, but here's the strange thing about that girl's eyewitness testimony. Okay. Light on me. That I find strange at least. Right. Okay. So this is 20 years after the fact. Um, she was six years old when it happened. I'm I'm almost positive, at least I would hope, that the police questioned her friends, her family, anybody that was around. Now, for a six-year-old, obviously, it'd be kind of hard to articulate it. But I think you could get out of a six-year-old, she got into a car, right? Because that's the biggest fact. Kids will only remember the biggest portion of the story, right? Yeah. And the biggest portion, she got into a car. Yeah. Now, she says she also says that she knew every single one of the kids that was taken except for the oldest boy that was missing. Yep. And so once she injects herself into every single case, then I'm like, okay, I feel like you're kind of, you know, just saying. You think that she's just trying to get the notoriety or the medlin a yeah, little bit? Yeah, Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Yeah. So then, and then there's another girl who who lived across the street from that building. Yeah. She says she looked out the window. She saw Andre Rand's car on the street a uh, few few doors away from, from Holly Ann Hughes's, uh door. Then this little girl decides to go to the store and buy some soap. Yeah. And this little girl is also five cents short and also comes home with no soap. Yeah. So I don't know what the actual term is, but she's she's created a false memory basically it seems to me yeah because the the workers at the store don't recall her ever being at the store yeah and and for them to recall the exact event and know how that she was short a nickel all this time but then go i don't uh, i don't remember her coming in like it's so i think that that witness for sure not credible she just made some shit up <laughs> yeah yeah all right um so Holly Ann Hughes, the strange thing about that is they never find a body either, right? Yeah. Um, what even gets more strange is that 20 years down the line, Holly Ann Hughes's brother works for the NYPD. Yeah, he's a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant with he's the a, NYPD. He's up there. So he put, he put, which I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done this because who doesn't want to solve the cold case of their little sister who came up missing, right? Yeah. So he pushes to reopen the case. They do. They investigate. Then they, I don't know how, uh, just from the witness testimony, I'm guessing, they want to <laughs> pin it all on Rand again. Yep. So here's the strange thing, too, is that there was a guy named uh, Bob, Bob Graham. That, yeah, that's, that that, that's Rand's buddy that he worked yeah, with. he worked with, right? So the strange thing is, is that Andre Rand and Bob Graham had the same car. Yeah. Identical. Um, so a lot of people thought that maybe Bob had something to do with these and not Andre. Yeah, he was questioned too. He was questioned. I don't know how they cleared him or why they cleared him. Yeah. Um, but But he he No charges were filed No charges were filed. He also lived in the homeless and one of the homeless encampments in that area. Yeah. Um his car was actually parked in the greenbelt, um, and that's where he stayed most of the time. So I find it kind of strange that they cleared him pretty quick and, and there was no charge filed against him. You know, maybe if we're of the conspiratorial mindset here, you could say that Bob could have had something to do with it and then pinned it all on Rand. Maybe, I don't know, but we'll get to that conclusion later. Yeah. So with all of the evidence and I'm using air quotes here, that they compile against Rand, the prosecutor decides that they have enough evidence to put him through trial again. 2004. 2004, he's on trial again. Wild. Fucking so much time has passed. No body, no physical evidence, no scientific evidence, all based on witness testimony again, but now more than 20 years after the fact. Now it's already hard enough for people that we know we're in a situation. 20 years later have them try and, and re-examine that situation right and I'm talking about people who've survived a murder or something right yeah say say someone that survived BTK 20 yeah. years from now they're gonna have a pretty good recollection of what happened because it's that traumatizing <laughs> now 20 years later you have all these people coming out and saying well it just it just dawned on me yeah all my memories are flooding back yeah. Now that my mind's clear. Yeah. Now that my mind's clear and I've been sober for fucking three weeks Yeah, after 20 some years. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and, and like I said, most of the witness testimony like, well, look at him. Of course he did it. And, uh, there was a guy, oh, let me try and find his name. Uh, the guy that was like the neighborhood watch guy. Oh. You know I'm talking about Will With Withford. I think it's yeah. Right? J- Jack Jack Withford. There you go. Jack Withford. This fucking guy. So he's on trial. They're, the documentary's still trying to compile, you know, their own evidence to try and uh, figure out what actually is going on, um, because when all this happened, the. Two people making the documentary were kids in Staten Island, and they constantly heard the story of Cropsy. So when this happened, they thought, "Oh shit, we finally caught, caught Cropsy!" Right? Yeah, they're trying to figure this out. Yeah, so you know they're doing a little bit of investigative journalism, and they come across Old Jack. <laughs> Jack is pretty much just like head of neighborhood watch, and Jack is in a car, right? And Jack must have watched a lot of cops. And like the first forty-eight, because he seems like he loves this shit. Yeah. So Jack goes, "Yeah, all of our clues led uh, led us to this road right here, and it looks like a pretty main thoroughfare." And they're driving up the street, and he goes, "And all those clues led us right up here to this cemetery, where we believe that Andre Rand had a camp set up." And they ask him, "Well, why do you why do you think he had a camp set up?" And they're like, "Well, why not?" That's his answer, basically. Why not? so so they're like okay well what did he do here and they're like well we think that when he was here basically this is where he buried all the bodies we can't find they're like well how why do you think that and he goes well because i mean you could dig up one of these plots and then bury a body underneath that coffin and then put everything back and no one would ever find it because if they brought i mean and it's not a bad idea you know but it it makes <laughs> it, sense though but he's if talking you think about, about it, it, it it does make sense because now you bring in you know uh cadaver dogs they're in a cemetery they they're not going to do anything they're not going to do shit so <clears throat> it's not a it's not a bad rand was familiar with that area and he and he absolutely was uh but the the idea that one man <laughs> who goes there sets up camp has the time To dig up a complete plot all by himself and then put a body underneath, put everything back and make it look like it hasn't been disturbed. So that's my problem with it, right? Yeah. How do you not get caught? Exactly. You're going to get caught. Especially – now we'll just go at the lowest – Amount of victims that they've tied him to because they've tied him to many more, uh, and basically they're just saying they think that this is what happened. Yeah. So the lowest would be five total victims, alleged victims, alleged victims minus minus Jennifer because they found her body. Yeah. So four missing bodies that they're claiming that he buried in a cemetery under plots, a plot, A use so, plot. Yeah. So, uh, and then this was probably one of my favorite parts of the documentary when they go, um, yeah, you know, we also heard that he like digs up bodies and does like necrophilia type stuff. And, and they're like, oh, okay. So what makes you think that he's like into that and like, well, you know, cause son of Sam and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> there, there wasn't a lot of evidence
1: based from no. Jack. No, Jack, Jack wasn't dealing on facts. Jack was definitely not driven on facts. No, he's not a fact checker. Absolutely not. Jack looked like he might have been a heavy drinker. But. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just, I, I, I do encourage everybody to check facts.
0: Yeah, because that's a pretty fucking bold statement. Yeah. Be like, you know, yeah, yeah, like, he just digs up these holes and then he puts them back and then fills them in and everything's normal.
1: He takes out dead bodies and then has sex with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, then when, and that's what he said. He just comes here whenever he wants to have sex with the body. It's like, yeah. dude, no... No one's ever caught him doing that. No one. He's not no history of it. No, and Jack is the only person that can tie. Well, he can't tie him there, but Jack is the only one that places Andre in that cemetery. Yep. Yeah. No. Nobody else. As crazy as all these other witnesses.
1: The are. The cemetery was by the the whole that green belt area, though. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he he has knowledge of it. I mean, think about the if you're looking at. Number one, Staten Island's not huge. It's not big at all. <laughs> and where he worked was a large area, and it was near the cemetery. And so he has knowledge of it. But we're not saying that he's living in it like Jack did. And I'm, what I said earlier, I said, he brand has knowledge of it because he's familiar with that area. Oh, absolutely. And, you and, know,
0: and he's homeless, so he got nothing more better to do than no, he's to, just cruising, to walk around.
1: Yep, He's walk around. He's cruising around those tunnels underneath Willowbrook, yeah. and he's coming by the cemetery. He's doing all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, he's having a fucking grand old time. Yep, no doubt. So my, my guess is that Jack, I, I don't know if, I don't know, cause he didn't testify. Nope. That, and so my guess is that Jack spoke to the police and the police were like, That ain't going fine. Yeah. That sounds stupid to us. Yeah. Right. So constantly they're trying to get into contact with Rand to do interviews and things like that. And they're writing back and forth and he's getting letters constantly and he's explaining pretty logically and clearly that i don't want to talk to you guys because i've already been dragged through the media yeah more or less and he says you know if i start talking to you guys and then people in here find out what i'm on trial for then my life is in danger yeah and and these letters that he was writing you, i mean i know
1: you touched on this this guy was you know when we when I, the first images that i see him is this guy walking <laughs> really drooling is. all over himself i didn't think this guy could put a sentence together yeah. alone uh together let alone a uh, a note that was intelligible uh and made a ton of sense and basically was very thought out you know i didn't think that that was even possible but he's corresponding back and forth with these uh producer and the uh director of the the documentary
0: uh in a high level of thinking i mean he, he is he is because at first, when they were reading these, I assumed that these were letters from his lawyer. Mm-hmm. And and not at one time did I think that he had written this himself until they said that he had wrote it. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. This they be did say at one articulate. point, though, his uh, it
1: seemed like his handwriting changed.
0: It, it did. And, and that, so that goes back to you mentioning that he sort of has this shutdown. Yeah, right? we we might need to touch on that. Yeah. So throughout the discussion, you know, the 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 snail mail back and forth between the directors and Mr. Rand. Um and there's a point where they're like, well let's let's just meet up and talk, right? We won't we won't release any of this. Like we're just trying to get to the bottom of it. Yep. We want to hear your side of this story. Yeah. Because it's a big story. Yeah. So they keep prodding him and prodding him and prodding him. And eventually the handwriting changes like physically changes and he starts quoting scripture and just babbling on. Right. And they're like, well, this is fucking weird. Like this is not how we've been communicating. Yeah. And then he sends them another letter and they don't respond to it because they're like, well, shit, obviously something's different. So we're just going to let it ride, let it air out, see what happens. Well, then he calls them. Yeah. And it's the first time you hear this guy speak because he didn't speak throughout the Jennifer Schweiger case. Nope. Never took the stand, Um, which is I mean, which is pretty intelligent. It's a pretty intelligent move from his uh, I liked his lawyers from his lawyer standpoint. Very smart move um, to not put him on the stand because it, they're just gonna fucking flame throw him on the stand.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the case with most. Uh, I mean, almost anything. If yeah. you get up there, there's it's stacked against you. Yeah. You should never. It's like the Hail Mary pass in uh, football. Yeah. You're not really getting up on the stand unless you've got something. If you got the smoking gun to, exactly. to pull out, or but I mean, there, there's a reason that you don't go up on the
0: stand. Yeah. You can handle the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> the fucked up part is because you know they're gonna ask him. Yeah. So you worked at the school, right? Yeah. Yep. So you're very familiar with the facility, right? Yep. Okay. So, and now you have a camp out in the Greenbelt, right? Yep. Okay. Well, do you know where we found her body? Here's where we found her body. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Do you
1: know where that area every, is? Yeah.
0: Every single, but you could literally take out anybody that lives in any of those homeless encampments. Because I know that a handful of them did work there or were patients there. Yeah. Any one of them would have the same exact answers that Andre Rand would have, so it's extremely hard. But like I said, they did a great job by not putting him on the stand. Yeah, obviously not that great of a job because he's <laughs> in prison and on trial. I uh, think
1: that they had their they were
0: fighting it up the battle because, like you said earlier, the the media yeah, killed this guy. They convicted him in the media before he even he even you know was in a courthouse. Yeah, um, so they end up uh, setting up a meeting. Right. They say he, he's like, all right, come on up. Let's talk then. But we're going to do it at my house. Yeah. So they, they were like, all right, whatever. Shows up and Mr. Ram back down to the meeting. Yep. So they left. Talking to the detectives, that's
1: how uh, the detectives talked about it mm-hmm. uh, in the in the documentary that they had the same kind it's of experiences same. with yeah. him. You know, when it, it, he gave and talked
0: uh, when it suited him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not when and that's that what's making me think, okay, maybe he did have something to do with this, right? Okay. Because now you could call it good defense on his part or, or not, but um, typically you're going to tell your side of the story, right? And yeah. Then, and then you're going to hang it up. But he didn't even want to, He, like you said, he only wanted to talk when it suited him. Yeah. Um, so they never really could ask him the questions that they wanted to ask him. And uh, he ends up th- – this, this is kind of a fucked up part here too. Is I, I think it was during this trial. I don't remember if it was from Jennifer's trial or from Holly's trial. I think it was this one. He is uh, getting transferred to the court for, for this trial. And he tells one of the COs, I didn't do this. And the CO goes – um, or cause the CO tells him something like you're going down or, or you're going to fry or something like that. Right. And he tells the CO, I didn't do this. And the CO goes, doesn't matter. You're going to be a martyr for children everywhere. Yeah. So at that point I'm like, well, shit, even the CO knows they don't have the evidence to convict him. Right. Yeah. I think we got to remember there's nothing that gets,
1: um, people's blood boiling like, uh, a victim, an innocent victim. Mm-hmm. So you then you take a couple super innocent kids and then throw in the fact that they have disabilities or, or low mental IQs, yeah. uh, Down syndrome or whatever. People want yeah. people want it. The justice now. We're gonna find this monster and this is the way it's gonna be. Yeah. You know, we're gonna get get to the bottom of this now. You convict, know,
0: convict them now. Carry out the sentence now. Yeah. You know so. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. Um, but uh, did you want to talk about the interview that those detectives did have with them? Yeah. So that was an interesting thing for me, right? They
1: they had uh, the detectives, a couple of them. They were grilling them pretty good, and they they said that they thought that they were just about to have a conviction. Yeah. So they they uh, they pop in that. Uh, the video uh, of Geraldo
0: Rivera. Yeah. The
1: Geraldo Rivera video in front of uh, Rand, And I think this is how they think they're going to get into breakdown because they're showing him the horrible work environment that he was in. And they're thinking, I, and this is in my mind too. If I had to pick uh, like a disgruntled or if I was thinking that someone was going to go back and do something like this, what person would be just so disgruntled about yeah. everything? Um, than a person that was working in that environment and yeah. then had something against the kids. Absolutely. Right. He became, he grew bitter and awful inside because the he kids said, yeah, you know, these kids are not human and he's seen the worst of them because he's trying to take care of them. You know, so the battle, you know, so he's thinking that these kids are just awful. Right. Maybe yeah. he's, he, uh, He just is torn up inside. So that's the angle that the detectives were wearing on him. They're like, they're going to break him down. We'll show him this video. His emotions are going to get higher and higher and he's going to get worked up. And yeah, he's like, yeah, you know what? These kids don't deserve to live. And that's how they're going to break him. Well, they get to that point where they think that they've got that going on him. And then they said his whole body changed. Yeah, Everything changes in him. And he just like clams up. And that's when he becomes like this catatonic like switch. He just, his life just switched off. Yeah. Like he's you know, not, he's not he just
0: shut off. Yeah. Light. He's not working it's anymore. I imagine like if you worked at Chuck E. Cheese and you were Chuckie. Yeah. Every shift. Yeah. When you take off that rat head. Yeah. That's how you would be. <sighs> uh, yeah. That's exactly, exactly <laughs> like, what, his what, what sucks. These kids are filthy.
1: Yeah. And you know, and then he comes back and starts acts kids say, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, he, they, the detectives worked him real hard. Never
0: got a confession out of him, and then then he just shuts down. They said he he basically was that way for like three days. Yeah, and then started talking normal and this and that. Yeah. So something triggered in him during the time that they were writing to him, where I I believe that happened. Yeah. I think the same thing happened when they showed up because chances are when they showed up to arrest him originally for Jennifer's murder. Yeah. That he was totally normal sitting in the church doing his thing. And then when they showed up and said, you're under the arrest for uh, the murder and kidnapping of Jennifer Schweiger, he fucking dumbs up. Yep. And, and uh, so I think that's why we saw him that way when they arrested him and walked him out. Um, yeah. So there's clearly some sort of mental issue there. We talked about it earlier. Maybe it could have been something that, um, Was passed on from his mom. Yeah. Maybe it was something that he developed while he was working there. Yeah. So, the strange thing about the mental hospital that his mom was in and the mental hospital he worked at, it was pretty much an identical layout. So, it was like almost he already knew that place before he even got there. Yeah. Right? So, um, personally, I think that maybe these mental problems developed back when he was visiting his mom. Right, because he saw all of the shit she was going through, Um, and then when he started working at uh, at the mental the mental hospital, maybe he was trying to get something of his mom back. You know what I mean? Because basically, he lost both of his parents when he was young. Yeah, he was fourteen when his dad died, and then and right after that, his mom mom gets committed. Yeah, so it was it was fucking rough. That's a
1: tough time too in adolescence period. Yeah,
0: so. You know, um, maybe he felt it was some sort of comfort working at that place, um yeah. but uh, regardless, working in conditions like that are are definitely um capable of fucking you up like yeah, I can and break anybody so when they show him this video he he looks at the detectives and he says, "See, we were victims too, yeah, and then he fucking freaks out, yeah, right? we're victims too, yeah, which fucking a I mean." And the conditions of that, when you see the video, it's like, holy shit, how is that even possible, right? It's part of, you know, it's uh, it's heartbreaking is what yeah. it
1: is. It's, it's as, almost as heartbreaking as, as hearing about a, a child abduction and then, you know,
0: finding their body. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, it's just, it's outrageous. So, um, so he he, he the trial continues and he gets convicted again um, for, for of kidnapping. 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 They add another 25 to life, right? So he's done. He's done done. Yeah.
1: Because uh, he was going to be like 80 something.
0: Yeah. Because like I said, his parole date, he had a. He was going to get a parole hearing at the very least. Correct. In 2008.
1: Yeah. He's going to be eligible for parole in 2037. and He'll be 93 at that point. Yeah, So, so he's not going to make done.
0: It. He didn't look all that uh, good anyway. No, he did. I mean, when they even arrested him, he didn't look that good. You know yeah, I mean, like, uh, just—I mean, obviously, the guy's homeless. He's not taking care of himself the best he can. So. No, at least he's getting three squares a, a day yeah, now, right? So here's where it kind of gets fucking wild, right? Because throughout this documentary, they're kind of jumping all over the place. It's probably why my notes aren't exactly as uh, streamlined as possible. Um, but they start to kind of—they want—they're trying to figure out how. They're tying in like son of Sam, you know, and, and devil worshiping and all this shit. Right. So they're talking to detective. I think his last name was Swaz, Saz, something like that. Yeah, and he, he was the, like the lead detective on all of this. Um, and they're saying, well, isn't there, um, you guys have the process church out here. Right. And the process church for anybody that doesn't remember son of Sam was a part of this. Uh, he wrote about it. And this was all going on around the same time, Son of Sam. So he goes, well, yeah, we, we knew about the process church. And they're like, well, isn't there a guy out here that runs the process church? And he just starts laughing. And he's like, yeah, he lives out here. And they're like, well, did you ever question him? And they, the detective goes, well, there was no reason to. Like he hasn't been active in the process church for I don't know how long. And they're like, yeah, but during the time all this was happening, he was a part of that. Like, yeah, well, he's fine. And they go, but you do know that allegedly the process church practices, you know, uh, Satanism. They, they do sacrifices with children. And he's like, well, I'm not willing to comment on that. Yeah. So immediately I'm like, well, that's kind of fishy. You yeah. know what I mean? um, Then Jennifer's mom had, had mentioned that she would get letters from a woman claiming that she was um, a high priestess at the process church and that her daughter, Jennifer was uh, taken to the process church and that ran, didn't hurt the daughter that ran was in charge of bringing her to the process church so they could use her during a black mass. Yeah. <clears throat> now, whether or not those were submitted as evidence, um, the detectives never ever track this woman down, who people know she's a real person, um, but they never track this woman down to get a story from her, any type of statement or anything. Yeah. Um They're buying into the whole Satanism aspect, but they're not gonna follow up when someone says, Yeah, we black master fucking kid. Yeah. So that that was kind of strange. And then uh, this is also like height of satanic panic, right? So if you're listening to Metallica or Death Leopard or fucking Led Zeppelin, you're automatically a Satanist. If you're listening to Hard Rock, you're fucking Satanist. Yeah. So they asked the detective, well, was there any signs of devil worshiping going on at the school building? And he goes, well, yeah, when we searched, we did find a church. We, We found a um." basically a satanist church there it had symbols painted on the floor there were candles everywhere and he goes well um do you know that it was satanist who put it there or was it maybe just some kids that were out there partying yeah Nah, it was definitely adults was like okay well fuck you don't know who did it you know what i mean so his comments are super strange right yeah and this was the interesting part about the story is that the 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 makers of the documentary they decide to go out there yeah they decide to go out to the school grounds at night and and walk around and see what they can find see if they can find any evidence of people out there doing blood sacrifices worshiping satan right they go out there the girl's terrified she don't want to fucking go yeah they enter a building and they end up running into some people out there they both kind of scare each other. Turns out it's just a group of high school kids. Yeah. And they're like, what are you guys doing out here? They're like, oh, we just came out here because we always heard the legend of Cropsey. And, you know, we thought it would be kind of scary. To come yeah. Out. You know, normal kid shit.
1: Well, didn't – I thought they the, – some of the kids – maybe that way – yeah, that is the way it went down. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking the kids – they told the kids about Cropsey thing. But, well,
0: they, they they asked them. Yeah. They said, they said, so you guys have heard about – and they're like, oh, yeah, our mom told us about – yeah that's um, right, basically like a crazy mental patient that used to work and then they, they explained it to him, you know exactly what it was what yeah. it was and the and then the real story of Andre Rand and the kids that have gone missing multiple kids yeah, yeah exactly, and yeah. So it all like, starts there and and a lot of the kids were like, well, we always just thought it was an urban legend, and yeah, like yeah, we did too, and then this happened, right, yeah, so the investigation overall was an absolute shit show. Yeah. It seems like that to me. Yeah. And, and, and to be quite honest, I feel like they were getting a lot of heat from the public. They were getting a lot of heat from the media. So they needed to have an arrest. Yeah. And, and the longer they went without an arrest, because you don't want to just stand there basically with your dick in your hand going, we don't have anything. We don't have shit. Yeah. We ain't got shit. You know what I mean so they instead they took a fucking bunch of statements from a bunch of alcoholics and a bunch of drug addicts and they said this is what we got and everybody went that's good enough for me yep and they fucking locked him up so yeah. um you know his his lawyers his <laughs> feel really bad for his lawyers because they really did try their hardest um those two guys they they were basically like listen we they had as much evidence as we did. You know what I mean? So it'd be extremely hard. It's extremely hard to build a case against witness statements when they've used those witness statements to secure the charges that they did. Yeah. So it was pretty clear that the DA and the prosecution were on board to fucking go all gas and, and pin them for what they could. Yep. So Here's the time where we're going to try and figure out, do you believe that he was, uh, I don't want to ask if he's capable, but do you believe that he did everything he was convicted of and alleged to have done? So that this is a
1: struggle for me. Uh, If there was ever like a weak sauce case, fucking weak. So, and I am of a believer that, You got to have bodies. You got to have physical evidence. I needed more for the uh, the death, uh, the cause of death for Jennifer, which I never found. That was extremely hard to find. Um, I think the public, I think the city uh, needed a conviction. Yeah, and I think they matter. Who I think they had enough circumstantial evidence to tie Rand to some of the victims. He yeah. was in the area. He's around. He knows the area. People know him. People seeing him. People think they see a girl with him. They think they see he's on a girl's bike, uh, buying baby food. You know, these are statements that are not getting challenged very yeah. well. I didn't see how they were challenged in court. He, he, you know, they I definitely weren't. So, you know, I'm of the belief. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but. <laughs> this, to me, is a conspiracy, true crime for me. Uh-huh. You know, I kinda, I know we said this would be a true crime. I think that he's the patsy. I think he was giving the girls to um, the cult. To the to the process church? I think so. Okay. I think so, because they're... Otherwise, he's some evil genius that got away with you know hiding bodies and never being found by himself. himself. And I see this is. Let me step back. I don't think he did this alone. Okay, I think he had a a big part in this. Yeah, without a doubt. I think absolutely he definitely kidnapped Jennifer. Definitely took uh, Holly Ann. I'm going to say that right there. Okay, he kidnapped both those girls. I think that um, he's probably involved. And something, and it was giving girls up or giving kids up. Okay. You know, he he specifically tar- targeted, uh, the mentally handicapped and kids. Mm-hmm. He, the one older uh, boy, he's twenty one he years t- old. Yeah,
0: but he, he had he, like a seventy IQ. Yeah,
1: very low IQ. So uh, a little smarter than me. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit smarter than boy and I put together. Um, so I I think that number one Rand has something to do. I don't know what. I don't know if he put his hands around these girls and, and and strangled them, killed them. I don't know any of that, but I think he definitely
0: was involved in it. Okay, I think he's involved in it. All right, so my I struggle with this because I, I was I was talking to my wife about it earlier, and the more I watch this, the more I agree. It's definitely there's some sort of conspiracy setup aspect going on here. I don't know if any of the officers were involved. But the Detective uh, Saz, I think is his name, Detective Saz, he came off as a complete fucking prick. Yeah. And the fact that he wasn't willing to question any of these cult members at all was a huge red flag. Um, And then he accused uh, Andre Rand of running sort of like this Jim Jones type cult, right? So he'll make you believe that. Andre ran. This guy who had zero friends, yeah. no allies, no one came out to speak up for him, other than his one partner. guy, one Graham guy. Graham. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Bob Graham. Bob Graham is the only guy. Um, and no, 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 it wasn't Bob Graham. It was Thomas was his last name. Bob Graham was the guy he worked with. That's right. That had the same car. The last name was Thomas. Can't remember his first name. Yeah, but Thomas, the only one that came out, and Thomas said the same thing we we're saying that there was some sort of setup going yeah. on. um, now, I don't believe that he had some sort of underground cult with all these members, right? I don't believe that he was the one, uh, you know, making moves. No, so to say, he's definitely not the leader. No, of anything. No. Um, I went back and forth because part of me thinks that he didn't have anything to do with it, and he's and, and he's just kind of in the way. And sort of what the CEO said is kind of true as far as him. They just needed a martyr, right? Yep, you're going down. Yeah. They need an example, yep. basically. But I feel like he's in those neighborhoods enough, right? He, he, he worked at a mental institution. And I feel like when he was at that mental institution, he just lost all humanity because of the conditions he was seeing these kids in, right? Yep. And at that point, he figured that these kids are living in such... A fucking mess. They're sick. Um, they're going to continue to be sick because there's no way they're going to clean up all this shit around the facility to help them get well. Yep. No, nobody's coming to visit them. Nobody gives a shit about these kids. So the best thing to do is to take these kids and end it. Yep. Right. I, I agree. I think that he uh, his alternate motive was that he, was he I th- he saw them less than human yeah he, and it, he thought he was doing them a favor yeah basically is yeah. is how I feel um and and here's the other thing I don't know if we talked about this this is the other huge conspiracy part of this this whole fucking story this blew my mind when I saw it on the on the on the documentary so um the reverend of the church that he was arrested at. Yeah. Right. So they go and they interview the Reverend. They they're talking and they're asking him questions about why why did why was Rand even here? Yeah. And he goes, Uh, well, the authorities begged me to keep him here. To take him in. To take him in. And they go, why? And they're like, because he, you know, he's homeless. He doesn't have an address. So they needed him to be in one spot. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. That makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> um, but he said as soon as he accepted they bugged the place and they put uh they put the whole place under 24 hour surveillance. Yeah. So they knew what he was saying at all times. They knew where they were moving at all times. And uh the but the reverend who also did not uh, testify, up court and didn't testify. He wasn't on witness stand. He said that Andrew Rand or Andre Rand confessed to him. Yes, and he and he basically said what I just said about these kids are sick. I want to take them and put them out of their misery because they don't they're they're unwanted. They're so unwanted. Their family
1: gave them away. Exactly. Yeah. So,
0: um, but the recorded evidence was never submitted and played in court, um, and the reverend never testified. Yeah. So it's hard to I'm, I, he's obviously he's a pretty credible guy. Like you know, when when you have a reverend, there's already a certain type of credibility just behind the uh title, right? Yep. Um Guy, I I don't think he's ever been in trouble before. He, they didn't say he was. He didn't say he was, and he he really has no reason to lie, make anything up. The only thing that they said that was bad about him is everyone hated him because he That's took exactly in because right. they took in Rand, and that was the thing is is that he he said basically, you know, he was taking all these arrows because people thought that he was a friend of Rand's. He said no, he was asked to do this by authorities. He obliged. And they fucking shit all over him. Yeah, yeah. If if he, th- that's another good point. Why the hell didn't he take the stand? Exactly. And so so that leads me back to the point of thinking maybe he didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. Right. Maybe he didn't have any Maybe he knew about what was going on. Yeah. Um. But I still think that Bob Graham possibly could have had a hand in it. Also, I do believe that. Um, they got the same car cause they got the same car. So pe- so it'd be really easy for people to say, well, there goes Andre. Yeah. And it's like fucking Andre is asleep at his camp. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, maybe they knew what each other were doing, right? Maybe they were working in tandem, but I do believe that the process church had something to do with it also. Yeah. Cause th- th- that was, a, th- that was the strangest part to me was that that detective was questioned about why he didn't question the process church. <laughs> Why this woman's getting uh, letters and calls saying, "Hey, we had your kid. We put the we needed the kid for a black mass, and that's where all these kids are going." You know what I mean? Okay, well, you didn't track that down. It's a
1: lead. You need to you need to find it and 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 chase it down and and see where it goes. If there's any, if it can hold up in water or not.
0: Yeah. So I'm struggling because I don't. I it's really. you You think he's just a patsy? (sighs) obviously the guy's not an angel. He fucking kidnapped 11 kids in a school bus. Yeah, And then he took them to the airport and then he took them back to his camp. So he's clearly capable of doing what he did. He'd been convicted of sexual misconduct with a nine-year-old. Yeah. Right? So there wasn't a whole lot of information about that case per se. But the fact that all of the crimes that we, well, even the one crime that we know he committed was committing, was kidnapping 11 kids. Yeah. Um, so that means that it's not beyond him to kidnap and murder a kid. No. Right? So I'm not going to even say he's a patsy. I'm going to say that he, he was involved. Yeah. For sure. And, and, and I think that there's a reason why he doesn't uh because the the defense attorneys never really said what his side of the story was no and i think that there's a reason for that because he thinks he's probably better off in prison than he is ratting out the process church or bob graham and ending up fucking dead yeah yep so i'm gonna say he he definitely had involvement um but maybe not the guy
1: yeah. I don't think I think he is involved heavily like and like you said, but I don't know if he's that mastermind. I I saw too much drool coming out of his mouth. Yeah,
0: dude. And that's the thing, like it's almost like uh like he's hypnotized, you know what I mean? Like every time you hear a bell, you're gonna bark like a dog.
1: Yep. Something something sent him off. There's every no time
0: they bring up harming a kid, he fucking starts drooling all over himself. Yep. So there's no way that I think he could uh, keep his shit together by himself and do what he did. Yeah. Definitely some other shit coming on. So that pretty much does it for Corpsey. Um, Kind of a lightweight type true crime episode we'll definitely get into some heavy hitters but i thought that was pretty interesting
1: yeah i just thought the the whole because the underlying conspiracy theory underneath it if you look into the what little information there is about it and you know the urban legends they always come from somewhere right there's got to be you know say it comes from somewhere and in this this uh friggin you know, mental institute patient that gets away. It's
0: always, yeah,
1: it's always there. So it just was kind of, it was kind of crazy that this comes up, you look into it and you're seeing these kids being abducted and, and the heinous crimes of what anyone could do to these innocent kids. And you know, how quickly the, the society wants to get that case solved. So there, there's a lot of underlying themes in this. And it's a
0: good story. If you haven't seen it, check out the documentary. Pretty good. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, (laughs) reading all this, like, you know, taking the notes, watching the documentary, all that stuff. It did remind me of like Candyman, yeah, Bloody Mary, yeah. Uh, uh, you know the 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 normal, typical urban legend type stuff. Yeah, um, Candyman for sure. Heck yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, definitely with the hook. Everybody's talking about the hook,
1: but it, you know they're they're saying that this guy's got a hook, and then we can't even get a damn. You know, yeah. cause of death for, for these poor yeah, exactly. the one
0: body that they found. So. Yeah, and it was in a shallow grave. And that was, that was the other thing that makes me think that it was a setup to convict him. Yeah, right? whether whether it was from the real perpetrator. How they how they how, why didn't they find it the first time exactly. they sweep that area? And especially if they're surveilling him, right? So yeah. So they so they do a search of the area, a, a very thorough search. According to them, hundreds of people showed up. Yeah. Next thing you know. The authorities tell the church of the God within, they tell the reverend, hey, hold on to this guy. So they hold on to him while he's at the church and he's under surveillance. They go back, they check uh, or they go, they go do their search. They don't find anything. Then they decide, okay, we got enough evidence to arrest him. They arrest him after they arrest him. Then the Bible back. And they find the body.
1: So someone could easily figure it out that he got picked up and they exactly. said, hey, we need to move this body yeah. and and dump
0: it where they can find and there it. there was no explanation yeah. of how they missed it because they said that, that an arm and a leg was sticking out of a shallow grave <laughs> and it looked like it had just been placed. The, the, the yeah. Everything was disturbed, right? Yeah. So that's another reason why I'm guessing... The church said, Hey, we uh, we got this guy, he's going
1: down now. Yeah. So he's he ain't gonna rat on us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's just bury him here. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. Bullshit. It is bullshit.
0: <sighs> all right. Well, that does it for this episode of Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies. So
1: thank you for listening. All you truth hooligans, uh, stay looking for the truth and uh Be, be safe. Be safe and be good at each other. Yeah.
0: Don't be a dick.
1: Yeah, treat the others how you want to be treated. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> The golden rule, yeah. fucking a, yeah. act like you got parents, okay. <laughs> um And uh for big country and boy and Chris, we will see you I guys you next time. To get up now, I, told me. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I'm as mad as hell,
1: and I'm not gonna take this anymore. She, they, my black home. Donald Trump, Putin and shit. I say, my balls is
0: hot. say I'm a human being. God my damn it. My life absor- has right, made it. My, my balls was hot. My balls was hot. My balls was hot. My balls was hot.